Welcome to the Pope on Film. I am Bunny Williams, and with me is... I am the Pope in question. My name is Reverend Steve. I am the founder of the Church of Ed Wood, which is an actual thing worth a Google. I'm also a children's entertainer, father, gallivanting man about town, and still quarantined in my freaking house. So it is episode 261 of the podcast, and and proud we are of all of that. I've got a good episode here, which I am confident about. We're going to be talking about Saturday Night Live and the pandemic and uh, a popular pizza chain and... Uh, author Robert Anton Wilson. We're okay. going to be talking about a 1961 folk band called the New Christie Minstrels. Yes. We're going to be talking about uh, John Michael Higgins and what an amazing man he is. We've got a full show, and and I'm I'm happy. I'm happy with it. it hasn't even happened yet. Because we're here at the beginning, and yet I'm happy already with how this episode has turned out. Awesome, awesome. Let us get to it. So see you next week. (laughs) Bunny! Right? Right? Bunny! What? I only listen to two podcasts at the present moment. Just two, only two, and that's it. Number one is a show called The Weekly Planet, and it's done by two guys who also have a YouTube channel and do a thing called Caravan of Garbage on YouTube, where they focus on good movies and bad movies and bad video games. And and, and they're from Australia, and I really like hearing about bad movies, but from a different perspective, you know? Yeah. From a, from a very Australian perspective. I'm a big fan of theirs. All of the stuff that they do is amazing. The only other podcast that I truly care about is a new one. I have fallen in love with a new podcast okay. that I would like to talk about. And its host and why this podcast means so much to me. So anyway, there's a brand new podcast out there. And look, I usually don't listen to podcasts because I'm too busy writing and recording my own while also doing a video a day on my YouTube channel and trying to keep my sanity while taking care of all of these people that I have in my house. I have so many kids that I swear, I think a few of these kids may have just snuck into the house. (laughs) Some of these kids are just like the neighbor kids that have snuck in here so that we could take care of them. Because as much as I care about my kids, Emerald and Mariah and Tyrone, I don't uh-huh. remember all of them being I don't remember being there when Mariah and Tyrone were born. But maybe that's just me. Anyway, what I'm saying is I don't listen to many podcasts, but I have recently fallen in love with the new podcast Laughing with Myself. Okay. By SNL by SNL cast member Melissa Villasenor. And let me tell you why I love it. Saturday Night Live, SNL, has been on television for 45 seasons now. 
And in that time, there have been a ridiculous number of people in the cast. In fact, I looked it up. I binged it. And there have been exactly 153 cast members on SNL since season one. And Bunny! Yes. Question. Can you imagine any of them being normal? Being normal? Any of the cast members? Yeah. Like, can you imagine Chevy Chase going to a supermarket because he needs more soup? Oh, oh, no, no, no. I got, I can't imagine that, no. Can you imagine Billy Crystal walking his dog or John Belushi getting his driver's license renewed? Maybe Bill Murray. Maybe Bill Murray, yeah, because he has a habit of getting into wacky adventures that people talk about for decades. Dennis Miller shopping for comfortable inserts for his new dress shoes. <laughs> Things like that. Melissa Villasenor has been on SNL for the past four seasons, and she is the most normal cast member ever. And I don't mean that in a mean-spirited way. That's not a diss, because I love Melissa Villasenor. But she is the most down-to-earth real person to ever be on SNL. And How so? She's single. She's single. She lives alone in New York, and her podcast is just a brutally honest look at a very funny and slightly lonely woman living in New York. And it's just refreshing to hear a cast member on Saturday Night Live uh, talking about her struggles trying to learn Spanish or how she walks her dog in Crocs or the dirty sex dream she had two nights ago about uh, the guy she sometimes hires to walk her dog. Okay. Or, or her and I both have the same problem right now with sleeping. We've uh because uh she talked about it and I and I related to it so much because the same thing has been happening to me. Suddenly I've become a, a Stephen Wright because now I, I've been waking up at random points during the night and have been unable to stay up. It's like I sleep in shifts now. Yes, that's a, a, a uh, he said that Stephen Wright said that I think on Dr. Katz, professional therapist, that his sleep schedule is like in the war movies where one guy has to stay up and keep watch, except there's one person and there's no one out there. <laughs> so that's me and, and hearing hearing a cast member of SNL relate to me about my sleep problems is a pretty big deal she's just so great and she sounds like she would just be your cool quirky friend yeah who makes you who makes you homemade birthday presents and i just absolutely love her cool. and, and she started a podcast because she's just stuck at home and she's lonely during the quarantine and there's been three episodes so far at the point of this taping and and it's just it's just short burst of a very funny woman who's lonely living in New York and it's just so normal. She's just such a normal, regular, everyday person. Yeah. And I absolutely love her for it. And right now she's posting episodes on her YouTube channel and so you get to see her and sometimes she she shows uh, 
drawings that she's done and just talked about her life and her mom and and being alone and it's just so great and it's so positive and it's it, 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 i recommend it i okay. very highly recommend it i mean it's on youtube and it's free if you got time just freaking go for it it's really really wonderful and i love this woman so i just wanted to take this and if they fire anyone from the last season because there's always cast changes in between seasons of SNL, but it's not fair because this 45th season of SNL was cut short because of the quarantine that happened in large part due to the careless nature of our 45th fucking president. So it's just, it, it, it would suck if they fired Melissa Villasenor or anyone from this season because they didn't get a full season. You know, yeah. As far as I, as far as I, as far as I'm concerned, because of uh, the coronavirus, everyone on SNL just automatically picked up for next year. Yeah, I can agree with that. Yeah, everyone's just picked up. Bunny, (laughs) I know what you're gonna say. You're gonna say, Steve. What did you do? You're going to yeah. say, did you do this, Steve? What did you do and why? But I swear to you, Bunny, that this story, I had nothing to do with it, okay? Okay. Okay. I'm not this guy. I wasn't there. I was nowhere near the place. I had nothing at all to do with this little news nugget, okay? We're clear on that, right? Yes, we are. I okay. hope. I mean, for starters, it happened in a, in a completely different state. I, I haven't even been to that state. Don't want to go to that state. So so, so there's that. Okay. okay. So in, in Mobile, Alabama, police responded to a robbery at a movie theater, and it turned out to be more than that. What happened was 33-year-old Rafe Mitchell, white guy, decided to spend his quarantine inside of the AMC Mobile 16 on Schlillinger Road in Mobile, Alabama. So Mr. Mitchell broke into the movie theater and lived there for an undetermined amount of time, sleeping in various theaters and surviving on movie theater snacks and popcorn he would make in the snack bar. Okay. Sounds like kind of a fantasy. And we don't know exactly how long he lived in there, but authorities believe that he lived in there for days. Now, personally, I would like to think that Mr. Mitchell who lived there for maybe like in my mind like two or three weeks if 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 you're if you're gonna hide out during the quarantine in a movie theater i'd like to think this man learned how to run the projectors in his time there yeah you would have to yeah and he had his pick of 16 different movies and i'm gonna be honest with you bunny yeah this is the dream (laughs) this is the dream right here I'm just saying, 
Uh, kudos to you, Mr. Rafe Mitchell. Because because that what a wonderful idea. You just you, you should have gotten out of there before before anyone got suspicious. You know. Yeah. How did they get suspicious? I don't know. I don't know. Just police responded to a call about a break-in, and it turns out the guy was just living there, going from theater to theater, stretching out in the theater seats, laying down and relaxing and just subsisting on snack bar food. <laughs> I, I'm just saying, that's the dream. I imagine, I ima- in my mind, he was just stuck with the movies that were in theaters before they closed. And it's like, well, I guess I'm watching I Still Believe again. Yes. Man, uh-huh. wish wish there were better movies during the quarantine. So this guy's stuck with like February movies. Oh, man. He's like, well, I guess I'll give the turning a sixth try. But he's still stuck it out. So yeah, I, yeah. I, I think proper kudos for that. Yeah. It, it, this, is, this is a, as far as I'm concerned, this is a genius idea. That's, that's how I feel about it. Yes. Bunny! Yes? I'm going to pick this up before I start. Put it down right here. Okay. I'm going to say three words, Bunny. Okay? Okay. Three, three words. And they won't really make a lick of sense at first, but by the time this this bit is done, I sincerely hope that you will support me in this. Okay? Okay. okay. So, three words. Uh, are you ready for the three words, Bunny? I am ready for the three... Well, well I'm ready for two. Hold on a second. Okay. Uh... Kind of tough getting ready for that third word. Yeah. Okay, I I, I can go three words, possibly three and a half. I'm ready. Okay. Pandemic chip death. Pandemic chip death. Pandemic chip death. So let me try and explain. It's summer 2020. And America leads the globe in deaths due to the coronavirus. And yet America has spent uh, two and a half to three months in quarantine. And, and so most of America is just eager to pretend that everything's fine. And so a lot of the nation is opening back up. Dead bodies be damned. Yes. Because the numbers are still rising and the numbers are still bad and people are still dying, but people are just, well, everything's fine now. Let's go to the beach. Let's go to the lake. Then let's go uh, hang out at the mall. Then let's go to a restaurant. America is just eager to pretend that that everything's back to normal when it's not. And and I am in my 40s, early 40s, so early, so very, very early. 40s and I have severe chronic asthma and and I'm really coming to terms with the fact that as a 40 something man with extreme chronic asthma there's a possibility that I could die at any second I could die 
from this damn pandemic. I can just fucking die. And then if it's not the pandemic that gets me, then it's the goddamn racist cops that are just indiscriminately just straight up killing black people and minorities and getting away with it. Yes. Uh-huh. And then people are like, you know what? We're getting kind of sick of cops doing what they want and getting away with it. So we're going to protest police brutality. So then the police are, how dare you protest our police brutality? We're going to respond with more police brutality. Yes, it was an absolutely genius strategy. Meanwhile, there are all these right-wing Republicans who a month ago were like, I swear to God, I will fight to the death for my rights to get a haircut and go to the go to a Texas roadhouse again. And I swear to God, no cops better stop me because I'm going to get my AK-47 and my rocket launcher. Fuck you, you goddamn cops. You can't force me to stay at home. Now all of these people are like, look, why don't you all just... Stay home and behave. We should listen yeah. to the cops because blue lives matter. Because, yeah, we're, and, and I hate that so much. Blue lives matter because what they're saying is, hey, what a, hey, you uh, minorities, you need to be, you need to care more about the most important race there is the job of police officer. Yes. Uh huh. It's like blue lives matter. Blue lives. It's not a blue life. It's a job. Yeah. Like, like when I worked at the bookstore, I didn't say uh, like a uh, brown green lives matter. Yes. Book lives matter. No, I never job. heard you once say that. Yeah. Like. Like a, a police officer is a job. You can take off that that outfit and move on with your goddamn life. And it, it pisses me off. And, and so as a minority living in America right now, I could be killed by a racist white person or by a police officer. And the murderer would quite possibly get away with it because we live in a free democracy, but only for whites. So if the deadly pandemic doesn't kill me, then law enforcement might. Life is short, Bonnie. And as a man with non-white skin living in America, my life is constantly in danger. And and I've gotten used to that. I've gotten used to the fact that at any moment I could just be shot. And then the person who killed me would get away with it. So, so, So with all of that being said, I have chips. Okay. Right here in my hand. They are Fritos brand, the original corn chips. And um I I try and be a professional as as much as I can when it comes to the podcast. And usually I would say, Oh, I better not eat these chips because the chips are loud, the bag is loud. I want to be a professional. But but Considering the fact that at any second I could die from either a pandemic or or, or a, a, a a system of policing that just completely destroys the lives of all minorities, I'm going to yeah. eat these chips. Yeah, I'm I'm feeling much the same way. Yeah, I'm going to eat these goddamn chips because life is short, 
and fuck the police. And I want to eat these chips. So I'm going to eat these chips for the rest of the podcast. Okay. Okay. I apologize for the loud noise of possibly the bag. And also just the fact that these are loud ass chips. But um, Fritos are, are one of my favorites. Although I don't have think I have enough teeth to chew them anymore. But, you yeah. know, I really appreciate a snack that for each chip, there is a pound of salt. Yeah. Yeah. I'm a big fan of salt. Yeah. I'm a big fan of salt. That's why I like, that's why I hold McDonald's French fries in such a high regard. Not because they taste good, because they're, they're just a great salt conduit. Yes. There are other places where you get fries and you eat those fries and it's just like, God damn, did you even put any salt on this? <laughs> Why do you think I eat French fries? Did you even try? Yeah, it's sad. Buddy! <laughs> We've still got a full show to get to. We have Bunny versus where I he, where I will be talking a little bit about... Um, uh video on demand we oh, have okay. uh steve's historic approximations about the pizza mascot which was involved in an armed uh uh an armed uh kidnapping we have uh, a movie that is close to my heart for a number of reasons but before we get to any of that maybe we should take a break should we take a break we should take a break. I, I, I concur. We will be right back with more of the Pope on Film after these commercial messages. Right? They're regular Fritos. Usually, usually I just eat. I usually I stick to the chili cheese Fritos. Those ones. Yeah. But uh, this is regular Fritos. And at first I was like, oh, man, regular Fritos. But apparently I've eaten the chili cheese one so much that I that I had forgotten how good just the regular ass Fritos are. Uh-huh. So, so you're back to your really roots. Digging, yeah, really digging these chips. I might be a little bit high, but I, I'm, I'm in love with these chips right now. Uh, oh, yeah. Do 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 and break. Ladies and gentlemen, you are about to witness some scenes from the next attraction to play this theater. This picture, truly one of the most unusual ever filmed, contains scenes which under no circumstances 
should be viewed by anyone with a heart condition or anyone who is easily upset. We urgently recommend that if you are such a person or the parent of a young or impressionable child now in attendance, that you and the child leave the auditorium for the next 90 seconds. with more of the Pope on Film Special Chip Edition. Bunny. Yes. Are you ready for another exciting installment of everyone's favorite podcast segment, Bunny Versus? Are you ready? Are you pumped? Are you primed? Are you are you psyched? Are you psyched up? Are you amped? Are you ready? Are you ready to take that hill? As much as I possibly can. Well, then. Without any further ado, it's time once again for another exciting installment of Bunny Versus. And now here is your host, Bunny Williams. Take it away, Bunny. Oh. Jeannie was just having a problem at the beginning of my opening, so... I was concerned, uh, okay. uh, but okay? but uh, yeah, I, I just want to let people know that we're not even close to rock bottom yet. Oh yeah, not if at you all. think this is rock bottom, uh uh-uh. uh, we have a quite a long way to go yet, and we're going there. We're we're on track. Yeah, no, we absolutely are. So how you doing? Uh, I'm doing all right, uh, I guess. It's, it, I, what I'm really sick of at the moment are companies being like, releasing their, we totally care about black people statements. Yeah. 
And it's like, okay, like it, on one hand, it's sweet. On the other hand, no one was asking for Haribo Gummy Bears Corporation's stance on black people. But hey, if you think it'll sell more freaking gummy bears. Yeah. <laughs> then I guess, yeah, come out now. Now's, now's your chance to make some of that Black Lives Matter money. <laughs> and it just, it feels, uh, uh, you know, a lot of it feels really disingenuous. Yes. So, so that's not cool. I like a, a, a fake movie poster that I had seen uh, for when this is all over. And it was for a fake movie called Resist. Starring Ryan Gosling and Emma Stone. Yes. Like, the, like, yes. Let's, let's take the protest and completely whitewash it. <laughs> yeah, it'll be all about how Ryan Gosling invented Black Lives Matter right after he invented jazz. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, I, I like that a lot. The thing that I'm pissed off about at the moment is once the coronavirus hit and we were all stuck at home and all the movie theaters closed, there was a period in time right when Corona first came along where movie studios were releasing big time Hollywood movies to video on demand and streaming services. And uh, trolls two was going to have a, 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 a big release in theaters. And then instead it just came out as a rental and uh, you saw movies, you know, that were going to be released in theaters uh, make their way to uh, rental services and streaming services and streaming sites and the like. And uh, the Kumal Nanjiani comedy Lovebirds is on Netflix now. And the Scooby-Doo movie yeah. went direct to download and you saw movies come out like that and and it was really exciting but that was like the first month or the first month and a half now it's been so long that movie theaters are closing you know now that we're months into the pandemic studios are now using this time to just dump shit that they absolutely did not want to have released in theaters yeah i like what i really haven't paid much attention like like okay like mary j blige stars in a cop drama okay. and it's like it, it's obvious that the studio was like i don't know if if anyone's gonna <laughs> really want to see this i don't know if anyone wants to see mary j blige's movie body cam well shit it's the pandemic let's just release it direct to rental and it's like, okay, yeah, nobody nobody was going to see that in theaters. You're releasing it, you know, capital. It, it's like movie studios are using the coronavirus to, to release shit that they were worried would bomb in theaters. Like, I'm sorry, I don't want to see Tom Hardy as Al Capone. No. I don't want to see... Dakota Johnson's L.A. music producer drama 
or Bruce Willis's lame home invasion movie or Tom Hardy's crappy Al Capone biopic. I want good movies. Oh, I, I really, I don't want to see a fucking goddamn thing that Bruce Willis is in ever. And then, and then the thing that pisses me off is that Universal Studios is like, oh, Trolls 2 made so much money for us. We made, we made as much money in three weeks as the first Trolls movie did in three months. So, wow, it's obvious what this says. This says that uh, releasing movies direct to homes is the next big thing. And we're doing that for all of our movies. And there's a problem there. And the problem is, Trolls 2 made so much money, not because America is so excited to rent new movies in their homes, but because parents were going fucking insane and here's a because all of their kids are home and here's a movie for them. Yeah. That is why Trolls 2 was a success. You don't see uh Tom Hardy's Capone biopic like making Hollywood turn their heads. No, Trolls 2 was so successful because people were desperate for new shit for their kids who are all stuck at home and were driving the parents insane. The reason why Trolls 2 was successful was not because, oh, releasing straight to people's homes is the future of Hollywood. No, it's because parents were going fucking nuts and they wanted something to shut their kids up for two fucking hours. That is it. Yes. I feel Trolls 2 success as a rental was an isolated incident because of the pandemic and not something that studios should be fucking resting the future of Hollywood on real fucking mistake. Yeah. Real fucking mistake. You know, I would be watching the wonder woman movie right now. <laughs> really pissed off about that. We haven't even gotten a look at what Chris, SNL's Kristen Wiig looks like in the full-body cheetah CGI yet. What? We haven't even yet. And I'm pissed off. We haven't even... Ah! I, I just want better movies. I want good movies to be released right now. <laughs> but they are... All of the movies are shit. Yeah. And I'm just I'm pissed off. I am, I am, I am pissed right the fuck off. But so, we're all so in the same boat. That's what we hear from the celebrities. Yeah. And, and isn't that funny? Once, once the coronavirus hit, oh my God. Uh, hello, I am famous celebrity and I am here to sing a song to let you know that we're going to get through this and we're all going to be okay. And let's do a benefit concert. Let's be on TV talking about how we're all resilient. We're all going to get through this. Yes, so I am a celebrity and I am everywhere just to lift people's spirits and to give them good news. And we're all strong and we're going to get through this. And, oh, black people are getting killed and there are riots. Well, I guess I'm going to stay in my mansion. Yeah. <laughs> and it's just all of these celebrities that we were hearing so much from are just, oh, suddenly... Suddenly, everyone's just shutting their mouths, aren't they? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Where are all the celebrities from March and April and May who were just, oh, we are here for you people. Oh, wait, police are killing blacks? Oh. Well, I guess I 
guess I better go to my panic room. Yeah. You're not hearing a goddamn thing from celebrities. But anyway, that's me. How are you doing, Bunny? Why don't you let everyone know what's going on with you? I'm still feeling pretty rough. I've been sick for three fucking weeks. Uh, I'm trying not to not off doing this podcast right now. You know, but I've got some antibiotics finally. So it's got to be starting to clear up soon. Uh, I'm starting to be able to eat normal foods again. So, so maybe a little protein is going to help, you know, but, and I got to work tomorrow, no matter what, (laughs) you know? Yeah. Um, other than that, it's like, Jesus, man, I skip one podcast. The whole fucking world falls apart. Can't you people yeah, do anything without me? Jesus is rioting in the streets. There's, there's. What can we even say about Donald Trump anymore? Like literally, what can what can we even say? Like he finally got his wall. Yep. You know, he he has had to uh, has he has had to wall himself off. From America. <laughs> yeah. And there's still people supporting him. I do. What, what, really? Yeah. Yeah. There's what still is wrong who, with you? There's still motherfuckers that are ride or die for Trump as he hides from the American public. It's absolutely fascinating. So I feel pretty guilty about not being out there in any of the protests. Yeah. I have not been tear gassed. I have not been shot at. Um, if, but if a you, lot of... If you, do, if you do get out there to the protest, I, I, I just hope that you continue with your slogan. Yes. Which I have not forgotten. Just don't. Yeah, just don't. Just don't, Bunny. Yeah. Just don't. Uh, Right there. Change the world. But I have a lot of my friends out there, and a lot of my friends are getting tear gas, and a lot of my friends are getting shot, you know, uh, which also means I'm getting a lot of live feeds directly from, from Denver and Colorado Springs. Uh, we have a new problem developing in Colorado Springs that can possibly turn really nasty. Um, y- you've heard of these boogaloo people, right? Yeah. So they're they're trying to infiltrate the Colorado Springs marches. Uh, they're trying to say that they support Black Lives Matters. They're bringing their weapons. You know, so yep. while the protesters are bending themselves into motherfucking pretzels to keep everything peaceful, to keep looting down, which most of the looting is white people. Most of yep. smashed windows, white people and cops smashing yep. windows. And now we got these fucking morons to deal with. Yeah. You know, they're, 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 
pretending to support Black Lives Matters, but then you go and check out the Facebook page and they are just waiting for Trump to give the order to open fire. These are the people that that are in the protests as this started as of yesterday. Yeah. So now they're in the crowd with our people. Oh, this is not going to be good. This is not going to be good at all. <sighs> yeah, fucking Hawaiian shirts. Uh-huh. Yes. Yeah, don't wear a Hawaiian shirt. The Hawaiian shirts and everything and they're 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 here to protect the protesters from Antifa. <sighs> Man, it's insane. Yeah. It's insane and and even with that I know it's going to go it's going to be getting much much worse. Yeah. Yeah. It only it only gets much worse. I, I I don't know how. In the big picture, I don't know how. I mean, in Colorado Springs, well, a bunch of people are going to get shot. <clears throat> a lot of my friends are going to die. That's that's. But but in the bigger picture of of like what's the next insanity? This is all a part of of this particular insanity the protest insanity going on which i completely support the protests even though we're going to yeah. be spiking covid-19 all over the fucking place yes from this but like what do you do man you know i mean the people out there they know they're at risk you know what do you what do you do Oh, we hold off this death because there's a pandemic. You know, we don't do something about one thing because there's a pandemic going on. Yeah. You know, but like, in the end, we're not going to make it anyway. <laughs> you know, because we're, we're still fighting with the same shit. And climate change marches on, and we're still not doing a motherfucking thing for it. We have to get down to zero emissions by 2030. When are we going to start this? Yeah. You know, so like, great, we're going to have to fight off fucking Nazis again. And I personally still want to see the orange menace dragged through the fucking streets. From yeah, the back of a truck. But yeah. then even after we get past that, it's like, okay, let's get back to the normal things that were going to kill us. Yeah. And, and there's not going to be time for that. No. You know, so, like, I was at the doctor, and, you know, he... Asked if I smoked, as they always do. I say yes. He's like, well, have you thought about quitting that? I, um, no. And, like, you know, because you, you would live a longer and a better life. And I'm like, I, I don't really think I'm going to be living much longer at all. So why the fuck bother? 
my father always said that he smoked in his he started smoking in his very early teens and then he smoked throughout his teens and his 20s and then in like late 20s early 30s he quit smoking and he said that he was going to that every day he wanted to smoke but he didn't he gave up smoking but he always and he said that that giving up smoking was just the absolute hardest thing but what he always said was one day i'm going to get so old that i'm just going to start smoking again cuz it won't fucking matter yeah like at what point in time does he keep going oh i got to stop smoking cuz my best years are ahead of me when he's like 84 yeah and it's like, I, so he always said that, like, one day I'm going to get to an age where it's like, fuck it. And I'm just going to start smoking like a motherfucker. <laughs> so I imagine for my dad that day's coming soon. Yeah. Yeah. I, 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 I'm already here. <laughs> yeah. You hear Ebola's cropping up again. Oh, really? Yeah, there have been some. Nice. There have been some isolated cases. Yeah. Hooray! So you know, I mean, we so badly handled this one. Yeah. We're not making it through Ebola. <laughs> yeah, no, we're not. And with Jeannie and I have pretty much decided if we if we get Corona, we're just gonna die at home. You know, yeah, it's a fucking horror story in the hospital, especially yes. if you're yeah. not expecting to make it. Yeah. So my last couple of days, I should be upside down with a ventilator down my throat where I cannot move. I cannot speak. I cannot do anything. And I'm yeah, all alone. And that's the last like day or two of my life. That in itself sounds torturous. I don't want to do that. Yeah. Yeah. That is absolute torture. I'd rather die in a puddle of my own vomit in my own bed. Yeah, because at least it's your own bed. Yeah. Comfort, at least. And really, for everybody listening... I think maybe we should generate a pool. Okay. Get a little wagering going here on what will the last movie Bunny saw was. Because it would still be, you know, you would still see the end. It would still be like on Netflix or something. You know, you'd still be able to look at the TV and like, well, that was the last thing he was watching. Yeah. So what would that be? Make up a list. Get some betting going. <laughs> okay. I'll see what I can do. I don't know, man. Too, too much insanity. Too much insanity. Uh, him taking the pictures with the Bible. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Like all kinds of just crap uh 
you watch the news, and really the best thing to do is when you watch the news, set it to calliope music. It makes it go down a lot much better. It makes it all make a little bit more sense, too. In in my mind, to to sort of tie everything together, uh, I wouldn't set it to calliope music. I would set it to the wacky music at the end of the original uh, Casino Royale. Yeah. Yeah, definitely that style. Yeah. Yeah. And then, like, you're watching the news, and then suddenly Keystone cops appear. It's always time for Yakety Sax. Yes. Uh huh. Yeah. I'm I'm, I'm all right with that one, too. Yeah. So, um,. Shit, things are really horrible now, and you all know about it, so you don't need me to be talking about it. Uh, yeah. I, I, I'm just, I'm, I'm really wondering what the next thing will be. What is the next thing that's going to pop up and be like, oh, fuck. I didn't think of this. Uh... I there's a lot of retroness coming along because we've got like oh here's the like here's this pandemic from the early 1900s here's yeah. the civil unrest from like the 1960s and the 1970s and and here's here's this and that so with that in mind uh I wouldn't be surprised if uh maybe like two or three months from now energy crisis energy crisis i like that yeah like the 70s all over again like stephen king's roadblock and shit like suddenly there's lines for gas and and shit like that yeah i wouldn't be surprised if that if that comes back just an idea yeah very, very interesting. I have to yeah. consider that. I'm still kind of hoping kaiju, but I don't know how possible that is. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna find out really quickly who's drift compatible. Yes. Yeah. So uh, that's exciting. So just just let me say so that I have a proper title for this episode, because other than that, I I I I watched all. Well, I basically slept through all of Flash. So now I'm all ca- caught up. Unfortunately, well, except that I haven't really seen them, so I can go rewatch them. But that is it. Flash is my emergency parachute when shit gets too weird. Yeah. Because Flash is just a very sweet big-hearted show. And they fight bad guys and they got superpowers. You know? It's like it's like 
you are out of everything when you watch The Flash. It is my the ultimate I, escapism. My wife and I absolutely loved the first season, and we watched every episode of the first season when they first played, and it was so good, and we loved it. And then we we stopped watching the second season just because I, it's difficult for us to like sit down and watch anything that's not supernatural. But... Uh, I don't know. The same thing with Riverdale. Like we saw the first season, and it and we liked it, but now we just can't get ourselves to watch anymore. Yeah. I well, we liked it. I liked the guy. I liked. I, I like the. I like the guy. I like the fact that his dad was the guy who was Flash in the TV show from when I was a kid. Yeah. Or like a teenager. I always liked that. But like no, we we just we just never finished watching Flash. I always felt bad about that. And then eventually it got to the point where I feel like if if I watch Flash, I also have to watch Legends of Tomorrow. I also got to watch Arrow. I also got to watch Batgirl. I also got to I think watch Supergirl or fucking whatever and it's and it's like I like uh, like that's that's all a lot. Fuck that. Fuck that. You take you take Flash medicinally. When you need it. And also, also, I just don't know DC like I know Marvel. I can watch a Marvel movie and go, oh, hey, that's this character and this power. And then, then, like, they do these crisis on infinite Earth sort of shit with, like, the the DC TV universe. And it's like, I don't know who these people are. I I don't know General Zod and the, the, the... monkey that talks and fucking brainiac whatever like i i don't know any of that i i couldn't tell you what the what the 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 green the lantern core rings are and the colors and it's just i just i I, i'm lost when it comes to dc and i feel that that's a roadblock stopping me from watching these shows which i bet i would like (laughs) you know that's why just concentrate on one show yeah. And use it medicinally so you don't go insane. That's my recommendation. Yeah. I am really proud of my last story time that I did yesterday. Yeah. I'm really proud of it because a friend of mine, they posted a video of their kid just coming up with a story. I have a story. And, and so the, my friend filmed it <laughs> and then posted it on their Facebook. And I watched it and immediately messaged them and said, okay, so uh, your four-year-old daughter, what if I got their story that you just put on Facebook? What if I transcribed it and read it as a story for story time? And uh, it was a crazy, weird, stupid idea that I had late at night, possibly while high. Yeah. And so, so the mom said yes, and so I transcribed the entire story that night, and it took like about an hour to write down everything that this girl said and all the ums and, and, and everything. And then I woke up early the next day, yesterday, Saturday, and I spent all day from about 8.30 in the morning to I finally got it up at around 5.30 in the afternoon. And it was just all day of recording and editing and it was a technically complicated episode because i had these crazy ideas of like what if i started with a vine and then what if i have a montage of all of my story times 
What if, and I, I, I've been trying to do more editing of my references. Yeah. So like, so like, uh, so that was difficult. Like I, I make fun of Bella during a part and Bella gave me a, the finger and I was like, that's inappropriate. So then I have to go and track down that when I say inappropriate, I'm like, oh, that's a quote from a Conan O'Brien skit. I have to track down that Conan O'Brien skit now. And so that's like a, but it's a Conan O'Brien skit from when he was on NBC. And those are hard to find. And I got to track that down. And then I've got to put a, a clip of that, edit that into the episode, but only a, a small clip that that i am legally allowed to get away with so i've got to edit this five minute video i ripped from youtube into three seconds and then i've got the sound effects and then the editing system that i have is that the 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 small sound clip is embedded in that one specific part of the video but if i edit anything before that audio clip the position of that sound effect doesn't stay there it gets moved so it got to the point where where it was easier for me to okay i'm gonna render this video and then once it's done edit that yeah with new sequences because that's easier than going back and editing Losing you a bit. I'm really proud of the fact that, like, on Friday night, I had a crazy weird idea for a story time while I was high. And Saturday, sober, I worked all day to make that dream come true. Good on you. I have not yeah, watched so this one yet, but good on you. Yeah, so I'm really proud of myself. It's been watched, like, 40 times and... and and it's really good and you know it, it, it there there aren't a lot of kid friendly youtube channels that can also show scenes from Brian De Palma's Carrie yeah true but i am that guy cuz i i put a, a there's a scene from Carrie in my story time i'm just i'm really proud of it Really proud of my work. I meant to say that earlier. Cool. The thing that the thing that I find difficult that that I feel comfortable saying to you, Bunny, but probably and and to Natasha, but possibly not out loud on social media right now, is that there is so much civil unrest right now that I feel horrible going on Facebook or Twitter and discussing anything other than the unrest. Yeah. That, that like, Hey, I want to get on Twitter and talk about my funny parts of the new episode of my podcast or promote my story time or talk about this weird dream I have. But it's like, like being angry all of the time is exhausting. Yes, it is. You know? Yes, it is. 
that's that's one thing that I'm worried about heading into the election is that everyone's fucking exhausted because we've been angry nonstop since the fucking 2016. Yeah, true. We've been we've been fucking angry since uh, Donald Trump started his campaign, and that might have been what 2015. So like we've been angry for half a decade. Uh huh. This is correct, and, and we're we're all just fucking exhausted, and it, and it just. And it's just, damn it, that is one way that Trump could get us. Is that, like, every day he finds a way to piss us off and, and it gets to the point where it's like, it's like, oh, now in order to get him out, we need to brave a pandemic and civil unrest and yeah. violent cops. Yeah. You know? Like, I'm going to have to wear a suit of armor to go fucking vote in November. <laughs> Mm-hmm. And it's like, oh damn it! I'm so fucking exhausted. I just want everything to go back to normal, you know. Well, we got to do better than normal. Yeah, because black people are still being shot during normal. Yeah, that's a good point. I'm just so exhausted. Yeah. It sucks. Well, I think it's time for us to be moving on. And I just want to say fuck America. And cut on that. Yeah. Cut on that. Uh, Bunny! Yes! If you're like me, then you're no doubt a big fan of this podcast, The Pope on Film. I mean, who isn't? But only uh, real fans, true fans, hardcore true fans of this podcast would know two things about the both of us. Two fundamental facts about the celebrated tag team known as Bunny and Steve. First and foremost, a total, uh, totally, really real, and in no way made up on the spot fact about you, Bunny, is yes. that you like to dress up and visit local children's hospitals in your free time, which is very sweet, uh, and I applaud you for that. But tell me again, Bunny, what is it that you like to dress up as when you go to the children's hospital? I I like to dress up as a uh, famous burlesque dancer Vera Lynn um I uh, I I have the shape for it okay don't let her hear that but I have the shape for it and there's a lot of feathers involved a lot of sequins so I'm just all sparkly you know and in France they always loved it when I sparkled you know so yeah. yeah. Um nice. Not nice. all of the kids are frightened. So it's a good thing. Some of them are some of them I can get through to. I uh, I'm yeah. sorry for all the ones I leave crying and confused, but I do what I can. Uh yeah, it's it's their parents' fault for not being woke enough. Yeah. Yes it is. Yeah. Yeah. And the second thing that you would know about me is that I'm a lover of history. 
I love it. But I'm also a storyteller. So what I like to do is I like to find a story from the history books, maybe one that people don't know too well, and reword it via my own unique storytelling style, my own unique voice. And that's what this is. Another educationally uneducational installment of Steve's Historic Approximations. Or SHAP, as I like to call it, repeatedly, annoyingly, whether anyone wants me to or not. Personally, I like the name SHAP. It's short, but it's got pizzazz. It's the Danny DeVito podcast segment. And so this week on the old Shappity Shap Shap, we will be discussing a famous pizza chain, their memorable mascot, and the time the mascot held people at gunpoint. And just, just, and just FYI, it's not Little Caesars. This is Detective Lewis with the LAPD. Look, we don't want you to kill any of your hostages, and we are willing to make a deal, okay? So let's just talk, man. Let's just talk. Let's just put our guns down and talk, all right? Tell us, what are your demands? Pizza, pizza. That's not a real fun story. There is it. No, it's not. Not at all. Today's story is about, starts with two brothers in Ypsilanti, Michigan. Tom and James Monahan. James is the younger brother. Tom is the older brother. In 1960, the two brothers uh saw uh, that there was a small time pizza place in Ypsilanti, Michigan that was having financial trouble and might have to close down and it was a small pizzeria named Dominic's the, the guy who owned it his name was Dominic and it's like oh yes this is this is my pizza place my name is on it this is my namesake and i might have to shut down business has been bad and the two brothers looked at this and said huh I, uh, hey, Dominic, are you willing to sell your pizza place? And Dominic said, sure, if you think you could, if you two guys could, you know, have a better go of it than I did, then then sure. So the two brothers uh, took ownership of the small pizzeria Dominic's. The two brothers were like, hey, look at us, Tom and James, owners of our own pizza place. Pretty sweet. And hey, don't worry. I own 50%. You own 50%. We'll split all the work down the middle, okay? What could go wrong? But apparently, James, the younger brother, was also a postman, a mail carrier, and that was a full-time job, and he felt stretched, and he was like, oh, I don't want it. This is hard, running a pizza place and also being a full-time postman, and the postman job meant a lot to him, and he didn't want to quit. So in a classic dope moment, Young James sold half of his small pizza shop to his brother for a VW Beetle. And and James is like, hey, hey, do you want my half of the company? Because like I'm not gonna quit being a postman. How about you know, do you want the my 50% of the company? And Tom said, Sure. How much do you want for it? I can give you this much amount of money, or maybe this much amount of money. And James said, you know what I want? I want your VW Beetle. And he's like, but that's what we use to deliver the pizzas. I'll be screwed. 
And James is like, too bad. I want that VW Beetle. And Tom said yes. And James went, ha, ha, ha. I sold half of a failing pizza place and got a VW Beetle. This will no doubt be the best deal in the history of business. So now it was just Tom Monahan running Dominic's, and he really worked hard. This was his only job. He wasn't like a postman. And he worked hard on it, and he took it seriously. And business was good. So good, in fact, that Tom wanted to open more locations. The problem was the original owner of Dominic's uh, sold the pizza place, but still owned the rights to the name Dominic's because he's like, this is my name. This is my name. Yeah. And, 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 and I'm not just going to let you open more places that I don't own with my name. So, no, if you're going to open a, a chain of pizza places, you need another name. And so Tom was like, dang it. We need, a, we need another name. Maybe a name like <laughs> Dominic's. Maybe a, what we need is a slightly similar but still legally different name. So in 1965, Domino's Pizza was born. And Yay! Tom Tom had three original Domino Pizza places in 1965 in and around Ypsilanti, Michigan, which is why to this day, the Domino's logo has three white dots on it to commemorate Tom Monahan's three original Domino's Pizzeria. And I think that that is pretty neat. That is pretty That's cool. Still to this, that was 1965, and now it's in 2020. But still, you get a Domino's pizza, and those three dots represent Tom Monahan's three freaking pizza places. In the 70s, in the early 70s, the Domino Sugar Company sued Domino's uh, throughout the entire throughout half of the entire 70s. But that was eventually. The case was eventually settled in the in favor of the pizza chain. There are seventeen thousand Domino's pizza locations worldwide, including Mexico, Canada, Italy, Japan, China, Israel, and a shit ton more. In fact, throughout its expansion and success, Tom Monahan still kept ownership and ran the day-to-day operations until he finally sold 93% of the company to a private investment firm in 1998 for $1 billion. Nice. But the fact is, is that from 1965 to 1998, he was running the day-to-day operations of Domino's, and that's really impressive. Like, good for you, but I feel so bad for James. Okay. All he he had fifty percent of Domino's and gave it up for a VW Bug. Like that's cold blooded. <laughs> that's cold. I feel really bad for young James. That's a you got a short end of the stick, and that sucks. But anyway, I would like to tell the story of in two thousand and nine. A survey found that when it came to pizza brands and taste. Domino's was in last place, tied with, of all places, Chuck E. Cheese. Yeah, Domino's is not particularly good. But that was in 2009. Uh, So Domino's launched a multi-year self-deprecating ad campaign to turn things around. And at one point in time, I believe in Times Square, they had a billboard which posted 
in real time what people were saying about Domino's Pizza, whether it was good or bad. Okay. And it's like, you gotta, like, you know, tip your hat out of respect for that. Because, like, that's really damn awesome that, like, Domino's Pizza, like, you would... You would say, hey, I just got a Domino's pizza and it tasted horrible and it's cold. Screw you, Domino's pizza. And Domino's would say, thank you. This is now up on Times Square. You know, yeah. like you got to like hand it to them like that. That's awesome. Yes, it is. But, that, but that's not what we're talking about. That's a different story. We are headed to the 1980s. Domino's pizza still under the leadership of Tom Monahan is riding high with its 30 minutes or its free deal. But in the 1980, in the mid 1980s, the company switched from 30 minutes or it's free to 30 minutes or we'll give you $3 off your entire order. And this made a lot of people angry and a lot of people pissed off. And suddenly a, a lot of people were anti dominoes so the public's perception of Domino's was going downhill. So Tom hired an advertising firm called Group 243 to create a fun, lovable mascot to be the face of Domino's and to turn the perception of the pizza chain around. So Group 243 hired a company, Will Vinton Studios. But let's stop for a second and say that the, for the 30 minutes or it's free, a lot of drivers were dying. Yeah. They were yeah, getting yeah, into no, car accidents. Because, yeah. please, Domino's doesn't take that hit. They're pulling it out yeah. of the driver. Yeah. So so, so people were uh, really pissed off with Domino's. So, so Domino's hired Group 243. Group 243 hired Will Vinton Studios. That's a big name in animation. It is known for creating and animating the California Raisins. And also, I would be remiss if I didn't mention that Will Vinton Studios also created the animated special effects for the Disney ride Captain EO, which was so stupid, it was awesome. <laughs> so Group 243 and Will Vinton Studios together created The Noid. A masked character with bunny ears for some reason, whose main goal in life was to stop your pizza from arriving fresh and tasty and in under 30 minutes. Hence the tagline, avoid the noid. Essentially, he was a gremlin with yes. human features who was specifically centered on screwing with pizza delivery. The noid was a huge hit in the 80s and 90s avoid the noid was everywhere he had merchandise he had toys he had an nes game he had a different game for computer systems he had he was on shirts and bumper stickers and cups and they were even working on a cbs saturday morning cartoon show but they never made it but it never made it to air so the noid was legitimately everywhere. Avoid the Noid. Everyone knew to avoid the Noid. This brings us to January 30th, 1989, the day the Noid went psycho. <laughs> Chambly, Georgia. Chambly. C-H-A-M-B-L-E-E -E in Georgia. It's a small town in northern Georgia. 
population roughly a little under 10,000. So it's even smaller than my town, and my town is small as shit. Chambly, Georgia had a Domino's pizza. And on January 30th, 1989, a crazed 22-year-old individual with a 357 Magnum demanded that the two employees called Domino's corporate headquarters because according to the gunman, Domino's founder Tom Monahan stole his name and the Noid commercials were all about him. This gunman's name was Kenneth Lamar Noid. Okay. The Noid. The Noid held a Domino's at gunpoint at the end of the 80s. What an 80s way to end a decade. Yes. Kenneth Lamar Noid's argument was that the character was based on him and all of the commercials were a personal attack on him and that to make the commercials, Tom Moynihan himself would regularly break into Kenneth's apartment and, quote, look around for materials for his commercial. Hmm. Huh. So it's obvious that Kenny L. Noid was a crazy-ass nutso. Unless there's a secret underground world that we don't know about where, like, somewhere there's, like, a guy in an insane asylum named Ronald McDonald. And he's smoking, like, a pack of cigarettes a day going, you have no idea what fucking Ronald Mc what McDonald's did to me. <laughs> and, like, it's a guy with red hair, and they're like, oh, you have no idea. You have no idea. Yeah, their mascot totally, totally ripped off me. And and there's like a hidden world of 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 real people, and that every mascot in America is just a ripoff of a real person somewhere. <laughs> and that somewhere in Ireland, there's a drunk guy, and he's like, uh, and he's like, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, these kids in the neighborhood, they keep stealing my lucky charms and it's really messed up. The company, company totally. That, that like, oh yeah, Gritty? Yeah, Gritty is definitely based on someone. Yeah, there's a real Gritty out there. We need to find him and isolate him. Yes. So, Kenny L. Noid was a crazy nut, so the standoff lasted for over five hours kenneth demanded and the police are like okay kenneth what are your demands he demanded that police bring him a copy of the book the widow's son by noted mystical illuminati crazy person robert anton wilson he also okay. demanded ten thousand dollars cash and a white limo and he said that the ten, uh, the white limo would be to escape the pizza place, and the ten thousand dollars was reparations for Domino's stealing his name. Eventually, here's here's what did Kenny Noid in. Uh, he was there for five hours, and five hours is a long time. And eventually, he got really hungry, so he demanded that the two employees make him a pizza he was hungry and he specifically asked for two large pizzas with everything on them so they made him pizza and 
just covered it with toppings, just so much toppings all over it. And so it, when Kenny Noyd ate the pizza, the toppings were spilling all over the place. So he bent down to pick them up and the employees took the fuck off. Okay. And police moved in. And I really appreciated that because I was robbed at gunpoint at the bookstore, the uh, Blarns and Flobles. And the guy wanted, the guy who robbed us wanted all the money in the safe. It was during closing. And so he, we let him into the cash office and we opened up the safe and he asked me to get a bag. And I was like, let me go get you a bag. And I, I went to grab a regular sized bag, but I'm like, wait a second. Our handle bags are shit. I'm going to okay. get him a handle bag. And so I grabbed a handle bag and for about 10 seconds before he noticed me, I stretched the handles on that handle bag like a motherfucker. Okay. Knowing that the handles are shit when it comes to heavy things. So he tried to put like $10,000, $15,000 in a shitty ass bookstore bag. And as it turns out, we got a we got about half of that money back because of course the bag broke in the parking lot. Yeah. Because the bags were shit. And so the police said that, like, oh yeah, no, there there was just money all over the parking lot. The bag broke on him, and it looks like he grabbed what he could and took off. And I was like, Yeah, that was me. That was me. That was all me. I thought of that. So yeah, they covered the pizza in toppings and the pizza spilled and the employees took off and the police moved in and the Noid was arrested. He was charged with a bunch of stuff, but he was found not guilty by reasons of he was a fucking nutcase. He was put in a mental institution where a few months later, the Noid killed himself. Oh. Uh, without a doubt, the second saddest case of mascot death right behind the well-publicized story of when Ronald McDonald's purple friend Grimace died via autoerotic asphyxiation. Yes. And to this day, Domino's Pizza Chain denies allegations that they stopped using the Noid mascot because of the press that Kenneth Lamar Noid created, but it's obvious that Kenny L. Noid ended the career of the Noid. I would say so. Yeah. It's obvious. Because the Noid just Noid was... disappeared. Yeah. And the Noid disappeared right around the time that Kenny L. Noid almost fucking shot up a Domino's pizza. So, yeah. To this day, Tom Monahan, who is still alive, says, oh, it was, just, it was just time to retire the Noid. Yeah, no, that's all bullshit. No. They totally did it because a crazy guy held up a Domino's. So that's fucking hilarious. So that's Shap this week. Next week, we will be telling the story of a popular YouTuber who faked his girlfriend's death for subscribers. Oh, good Lord. And it's like, oh, my girlfriend died. One of his, one of her last words were, for people to subscribe to this channel and also leave a comment and also check out our merch store. <laughs> it was kind of a long death. Yeah. 
I'm not saying, honey, that we need to do that. I'm just saying it's a possibility. Sure. Sure, that too. Or fake. What's what's that, Bella? You have Ebola of the cancer of the death? Oh, man. Oh, the only thing that will make her better is for people to subscribe to my YouTube channel. Yes. That's basically what a successful YouTuber did. That's what we're going to be talking about next week. So join us next week for more Steve's Historic Approximation. And cut on that. Bunny! We still have a movie to get to. We need to talk about Fred Willard and Spinal Tap and um, downtown Sacramento and B. Dalton bookstores and uh, Annette O'Toole. Okay. Annette O'Toole. But before we get to any of that, maybe we should take a break. We should take a break. Forrest Gump. The monster created by a man they called Mad is turned loose to strike terror into the hearts of men. <laughs> to shock women into uncontrolled hysteria. Elizabeth! To prey upon the innocence of children. This is the story you've heard about, talked about, the spine-tingling, blood-chilling story that stuns your emotions. Frankenstein. Don't touch that! Act three, act three. Oh, oh, act three. Oh, oh, act three. <laughs> act three. Yes, Bunny, my friend, who is more than brother to me. 
It is time once again for all of us to roll up our sleeves, furrow our brows, and dive headfirst into the third and final act of the Pope on Film podcast. And for the uninitiated out there, the third and final act is when we finally and eventually get around to discussing our all-new limited variant edition gold foil embossed movie of the week. And this week, we continue our summer-long tribute to the late great actor, Mr. Fred Willard, with a deep dive into Christopher Guest's 2003 mockumentary, a film so good uh, that we forget that the title is a fart joke, A Mighty Wind! I, I, I thought you said Waiting for Guffman. I thought you said it was a mighty wind. Yeah, it was a mighty wind. I thought I could swear you said it was waiting for Guffman. No, it was a mighty wind. I think I mentioned last week that uh, that when it comes to Fred Willard appearances in Christopher Guest documentaries, I think most people would go automatically to waiting for Guffman. But when I think of Fred Willard, I immediately think of. What happened? And that's from A Mighty Wind. It's also, yes. I mentioned it last week, A Mighty Wind is uh, was our first date. Natasha and I. Did you watch Waiting for Guffman and not A Mighty Wind? No, I watched A Mighty Wind. You watched A Mighty Wind? Yes, I did. Okay. All right, no. It's A Mighty Wind this week. I, I'm waiting... I'm waiting for waiting for Guffman because I feel that that would be the first thing people go to when it comes to Fred Willard. And I want to sort of keep that to near the end, you know, subvert expectation. I want to do his appearance as a wrestling commentator during an Air Bud film before I get to waiting for Guffman. Okay. Because he was in the Air Bud movie where uh, now dogs are wrestling. And I want to do his appearance in that before we even get to what might be his most famous role in Waiting for Government. Now, just like last week, I want to start off our discussion of A Mighty Wind with another appearance by the Fred Willometer. How much Fred is in this film? How strong? Is the velocity of this week's film? I and I would say there was a fifteen percent increase over the previous from, movie from last week's film. Harold and Kumar go to White Castle. Yes, he wasn't in Harold and Kumar go to White Castle a lot, but it was very memorable. He is in A Mighty Wind more than he was in Harold and Kumar go to White Castle, but still, he is not in A Mighty Wind a lot. But in this film, Fred Willard is Mike LaFontaine. Head. What? That's what she was talking about. Yes. Home movies. The mom. How was she explaining it? I don't even it? know. She, which, how was she explaining, was she explaining it? it? A couple. The, the woman with the kids and the big guy. 
The coach was oh, dead. okay. Uh, and a, there's no dad? A couple of days ago, Eleanor was talking about, Dad, can I watch something? Can I watch Can I watch a show? Can I watch TV? And I'm like, okay, what do you want to watch? You know that show with the mom and the mom has a kid and there's a big guy? And I said, is there and a I, dad? And I'm like... I'm so confused. What are you saying? You know that show, and there's a mom, and there's a kid, and there's a guy, and and and, and Natasha and I were just we're just blown away. Like like we were. What are you talking about? Can you tell me what 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 it's called? The, the Big Show no. show. N- no, uh, we now know that she was talking about uh, the cartoon home movies. And the big guy was Coach McGurk. She literally just came, ran into the room. Mom, Mom, I want to show you. Remember that that show with the mom and the kids and the big guy? It's on Dad's computer. Hurry. Yeah. Like, okay. Running, oh, gotcha. Okay. Now we finally. Oh, we were we were blown away. Like we couldn't face Steve with all of the movies on the hard drive. I had just taken off home movies to put in something else. Oh. I think I took off home movies from the hard drive so I could put in uh, the folder of. Fred Willard movies. Yeah, so there. So there you go. Now we figured it out. She wanted to watch home movies. Okay. Maybe. Okay. Maybe. So uh, in the in in this week's film, Fred Willard is Mike LaFontaine, head of a talent agency and former star of the sitcom What Happened. And I love that so much. It's one of my favorite characters of Fred Willard. Very quotable. He did his hair himself. Yeah. Yeah, he said uh, that, uh, yeah, he frosted his own tips. And (laughs) went in there. And Christopher Guest, being Christopher Guest, said, great, go with it. Now, I have a a mighty big connection to this week's film. Uh, Two reasons why I have a big connection to this week's film. Number one, uh, I have always loved Christopher Guest movies and mockumentaries and mockumentaries in general. And my older brother made sure accidentally because he did not give a fuck about me. But I was raised with This is Spinal Tap. Yes. Thanks to my older brother. And I saw the Folksman live yeah i shit you not i saw spinal tap live in 1993 at the mesa amphitheater in mesa arizona with my older brother we were in the front row it was a three-hour set with an intermission and the opening act was the fucking folksman people just booed them relentlessly for like 20 their 20 or 25 minute set People were just booing them relentlessly. But my brother and I, we weren't marks. Yeah. We knew what was up. I couldn't tell you what songs they played, what songs were played by the Folksmen, but I did see them live. And plus, there's the fact that the Folksmen's first appearance was on SNL. Michael McKeon hosted SNL in November of 1984, and there was just a pitch perfect skit of the folksmen reuniting. So as everyone 
at the Mesa Amphitheater booed the fuck out of the folksmen. Real true SNL fans like my brother and I, we knew what was up. Yeah. So when The Mighty Wind came out 10 years later, I was like, oh, shit. They're from SNL, and I did see them live in concert. And then also the second reason why I have a big connection to this film is because it it, uh, it came out in 2003. At the time, I lived in Sacramento. And I worked at the bookstore, and we were right by the mall, and we were right next to a big, very successful music store. And uh, we got a ton of free passes for movies. We, we we had free passes for movies just constantly, all the time, before they were released in theaters. So we got passes. I got passes to go see A Mighty Wind at the amazing Tower Theater in downtown Sacramento. It was my first and only time that I went to the Tower Theater. But I d- did go into the uh, Tower Records that was right next door a bunch of times. But uh, I got passes to go see A Mighty Wind. And and as it turns out, at the time, there was a new employee at work, a transfer from a B. Dalton that had closed down at Florin Mall. And so I a, a bold move for me at the time. At any time. Uh, we got along well during breaks and during cigarette breaks. And so I asked her out. I said, you want to go to this movie with me? It's a free pass. And it's at the Tower Theater, which is supposed to be gorgeous. And so she said yes. And she said, hey, yeah, no problem. Uh, yeah, I'd love to go to this movie with you. How about I meet you there? When, are, when is the movie start? When are you going to get there? Okay, I'll meet you outside of the theater. She said... She'd meet me there. And so I went to the preview. Uh, I, I got my seat. And then I said to my friend who I went there with, save my seat. I'm going to go outside and meet my date. So save two seats. One okay. for me and one for my date. So I go outside and I'm all excited. And I'm waiting for the date. And, and I'm nervous and I'm smoking a, few, a cigarette or two. And I'm just waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting. I'm waiting and I'm looking at my watch and I'm waiting and I'm looking more at my watch and I'm waiting and my date never shows. Okay. And eventually the movie starts and I'm like, fuck, I got to go back in. My date stood me up and I was pissed and I was upset. And so I sit down and my friend's like, where's your date? And it was one of those rare movie previews where where all of the th- seats weren't taken. And I was just pissed. And I was like, damn it, my date never showed. And so I sit there. And the first time that I watched Almighty Wind, I hated it. And the reason why I hated it is because I was stood up and I was pissed and I was angry. And I took it out on this film. And I'm like, fuck this movie. Fuck the folksman. Fuck Christopher Guest. Fuck Almighty Wind. I'm pissed off. And so the movie ended, and I'm like, okay, that's funny, I guess. I'm going to leave. And there's a big line of people waiting to get out of the theater. And, and the theater was steep. It was super steep. And, and, and there were, there, there were it, was, it was like a giant auditorium at a college. There were steps. 
you know, yeah. like you were like, and, and so I'm going down the stairs and there's a big line of people to get out. And I happen to be, find myself checking out some cleavage of someone who's a, it, very close to the exit. And I'm like, I shouldn't be looking at this person's cleavage. Uh, that's rude. I don't want to be a creeper. But wait, that cleavage does look familiar. Holy shit, is that my date? And I just yell, Natasha! <laughs> and she turns, and she turns, and she goes, oh, Steve, you were here. And so I get out of the theater, and she's out there, and she's like, I'm so sorry, I was late, and this and that. And, and I'm like, well, I waited outside for you. And as it turns out, uh, you know, I, I waited up until the point that the movie started. And uh, I was like, damn it. She stood me up, and I go into the theater. And apparently she showed up 10 minutes later. But because the theater was just so dark and everything, I didn't notice when she came in. And she missed me. And she felt really bad. And she's like, oh, I'm so, so, so sorry. And, and so we, so like, I, I'm sorry that I missed the movie, but we can still hang out and talk a little bit if you want. And there was a, a big giant fountain right next to the movie theater. And so we just sat down and we talked and we sat there and talked and got to know each other and hung out and laughed way longer than the movie. Okay, cool. Like, the movie's like the movie's like an hour and 45 minutes, something like that. We stayed there for like two hours, two and a half hours, almost three hours just talking. And eventually we were holding hands and I got really nervous at one point because like we had talked so much that I didn't have anything to say. And so I'm just sort of looking down and I look down at her shoes and I just start kicking her shoes. Okay. And I start kicking and she goes, why are you kicking my feet? And I go, I don't know. I, I, it, it, I'm protesting. And she goes, what are you protesting? And I'm like, oh, I'm protesting the, uh, the, uh, the war. I'm protesting the war. And she said, oh, that's cute. You're cute. And uh, we didn't kiss. Our first kiss was our, was our next date. But to this day, if Natasha and I are ever, like, in a line somewhere or we're, if, if we're bored, if, if we're both standing around somewhere, like, say, we're going to a kid's, I don't know, concert or something. And we're just sitting there and we're bored. I'll start kicking her shoes. <laughs> and she knows what that means. She knows, even though it's so much later, she knows what I'm doing. I'm protesting. Protesting what? The war. The war. The war. So I love this movie and it means a lot to me personally. Not only did I see the folksman, but this was my wife and I's first day, which got fucked up. Because she was late. Why were you late again? No, I th thought it was something like you were you were like playing cards with your brothers or some shit. You were hanging out with your brothers, and finally, like Randall was like, "Hey," like they were distracting you. Maybe you said that at the time. Okay, Natasha. It is uncomfortable with how deeply personal we're getting about our torrid love affair. Oh. <laughs> so
so then I, I love then this I movie. I shouldn't write this tell-all book. Yeah. Yeah, no, uh, uh, you can write it under your pen name, Kitty Kelly. <laughs> I remember when that name meant scandalous biography. Yes. And uh, so with the personal things out of the way, the thing that I like the most about a mighty wind, and I've I said this, I've said this before on the podcast when we covered Dewey Cox, when we covered Connor for real. The real joke of this film is that the music, a lot of it, is really fucking good. Yeah, for what it is, I'm not the hugest folk person, so you know, but yeah, yeah it wasn't bad. The joke is the movie is good. I actually have two new Main Street singers songs on my phone. I have Just That Kind of Day, which they play at the theme park, and their cheesy version of uh, Ramblin' that forces the folksmen to sadly play their one hit. Yes. I always I always related I always related to that part of the folksmen because there are there are musicians who will play their one hit and musicians who will avoid their one hit. You know? Yeah. Like, that's Uh what my older brother used to say. Like, he went to go see Grateful Dead once, and it's like, okay, we're gonna play this one blues song for an hour and 15 minutes, and it's like, fucking, can't you just play trucking? (laughs) And it's like, okay, now we're going to play this jam blues song for two hours. And it's like, I'm not going to hear Touch of Grey, am I? <laughs> that sucks. And it's like, like uh, uh, when we lived in California, the White Stripes played. Uh, and everybody was rushing to see the White Stripes, and I was like, you know what? My favorite White Stripes songs, they would never play. They'll play some sad Tom Waits song for 10 minutes before they play Fell in Love with a Girl. (laughs) So it's like... But then there are times where it's like, when I went to go see Alanis Morissette, I didn't go, gee, I wonder if she plays... Isn't it ironic? Like, of course she's going to play that. Yeah. She, she, she's going to play every song of hers you ever heard on the fucking radio. You don't go to a Britney Spears concert and go, gee, I hope she plays Hit Me Baby one more time. Of course she's going to play fucking Toxic. Yeah. Uh-huh. But then there are those. So I love the idea of like, it's like, oh, hey, the folksmen are reuniting. Yes. Now let's try every folk song we know before we even think about old Joe's plays. Yes. And then eventually uh, the new Main Street singers make them go, shit, I guess we've got to play our hit. Yeah. And I love that so much. I also have one Mitch and Mickey song on my phone, but it's not the kiss at the end of the rainbow. It's When I'm Standing Next to You, which I think is a better song. Also, uh, their song, There's a Kiss at the End of the Rainbow, uh, it was up for an Oscar. Really? Yeah, that song was up for best song that year, and I love that. 
I love the fact that that was up for best song, but it lost to, uh, I think, I think some song Enya did for one of the, for one of the Lord of the Rings movies. But yeah, uh, uh, Eugene Levy and Catherine O'Hara played that song live on the Oscars. Nice. It's one of my favorite musical moments from the history of the Oscars, right up there with uh, when Robin Williams sang Blame Canada. (laughs) Uh, And and, uh, fun fact, all, all of the music was written almost all of the music was written by Michael McKeon and his wife, actress Annette O'Toole, whom I will always see as Lana Lang from uh, uh, Christopher Reeve's Superman. I think Superman 2. I think that's the one with Lana Lang in it. Is that Annette O'Toole? Okay. Haven't so seen so her apparently, in a while. Uh, uh, the way the songs were written was Michael McKeon and Annette O'Toole lived in LA, and Annette O'Toole at the time was playing Superman's mom on Smallville. And so when so she lived in LA. And then when it was time to film, she would take a, a plane to Vancouver to film Smallville. And she's like, oh, yeah, honey, I'm going to be going back to the set soon uh, to film the next season of Smallville. Yeah, I've got a ticket to fly on 9-12. Should be no problem for me to get a flight on 9-12. Okay. And then and then 9/11 happened and so all of the planes were just stopped and she's like shit how do I get to the set now cuz we're going to be filming on like 9:13 or 9:14 so Micah McKeon being awesome just said you know what fuck it let's get in the car I'll take you there Nice and so Annette O'Toole and Michael McKeon drove from LA to Vancouver British Connecticut and on oh, the yeah. On the entire, huh? Vancouver, British Connecticut is what it's called. Vancouver, British Columbia. Vancouver, British Columbia. Yeah, no, yeah, I got it. I, I got it. No, no, no. I, I, I was almost there. I was almost there. Vancouver, British Canada. So, so, and on the way, they wrote most of the music from from a mighty wind. Cool. I Isn't that one car trip, and sure that's enough, a long like, drive. yeah, that's a long ass fucking drive. Because L.A., I mean, that's like you're 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 just driving going from L.A. to Sacramento. Yeah, yeah, you're driving the complete up of America. That's when we get into like the middle part, and then you have like another state hours to California. Yeah, and then you have a whole last another state to go before you get to Vancouver. Yeah, so what are you going to do for that entire drive? I guess write folk songs is what you're going to do for that whole drive. Because sure enough, she is credited with writing a lot of these goddamn songs. Like, damn, good for you, Annette O'Toole. 
I was looking up facts about this uh, about this movie, and one of the facts, one of the weird facts, number one, that uh, Annette O'Toole, that Lana Lang wrote, a, helped write a lot of the music, I thought was weird. And number two, apparently the new Main Street Singers was loosely based on a massive uh, folk group called the New Christy Minstrels, yes. a 1961 folk band with a ton of people that would go in and out of the band and two famous people that were in the New Christy Minstrels before they were famous was number one, Barry Maguire. Yeah. Mr. Mr. Eve of Destruction, Barry Maguire. I used to sing that at the Dirt Bar in Arizona to piss off all of the redneck. (laughs) This guy almost beat me up after I sang it. He said, uh, yeah, I used to hear that song a lot in the 60s. I fucking hated that song in the 60s. And he's like toe-to-toe with me, like fucking The Rock and Stone Cold. So Barry Maguire was in the New Christie Minstrels. And who else was in the New Christie Minstrels? Fucking Kenny Rogers. Yes. Yeah, Kenny Rogers got his uh, start with music being in a... a, a version of the new main street singers and i think that that's really fucking interesting you know and i also believe chris christopherson and kim carnes yes yes kim carnes kim carnes that was the other name that i saw there yeah fucking uh didn't she do betty davis eyes is that what she did or am i and mistaken? that's pretty much all she did as far as i know yeah 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 of course, uh, Betty Davis Eyes wasn't a real hit until it was covered by a, a true m- musician, Buckwheat. <laughs> That's when Betty Davis Eyes, I think, really hit the mainstream is when Buckwheat did a version of it. Uh, this cast is amazing, but I wrote down some honorable mentions. Uh, uh, number one, Bob Balaban is an amazing straight man. Uh, he looks a lot like Perry was a manager at the bookstore that would just give everyone shit. He 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 was a he was a manager, and he also, when he was younger, was homeless for a large period in time and constantly talked about it. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah, he, he would talk. Yeah, he would talk with nostalgia about his time as a homeless man. No, no, no. Certainly. I said he would occasionally bring back nostalgic homeless smell. Oh yeah, no, he always smelled like a homeless person. He always <laughs> wore these huge ass Cosby sweaters. It, it even if it was super hot. So yeah, Bob Balaban is radiating Perry energy. Uh. Catherine O'Hara has an amazing singing voice, which is so comforting to hear after her scream singing from Waiting for Guffman. Yes. Her just screeching in that film. It is then comforting to hear her beautifully singing in A Mighty Wind. She gives a quiet, muted performance that... I don't know is based on Stevie Nicks, but I feel she radiates Stevie Nicks in that. 
I feel I she just didn't has a, get that. I, I I just feel that like that like she could have based it on Stevie Nicks that like hey I was a thing still kind of am like like she's trying not to be funny she, like she's she's doing a straight performance really yeah but she has an amazing singing voice and I swear. I'm gonna watch Shit Creek one of these days. <laughs> Every they, it was a complete accident. It's I not. I didn't know the link. What the link was because I thought we were throwing out emoji Discord server, and then I clicked it and I was like, "This is not an emoji server. This is Shit's Creek. I'm gonna mute it immediately because eventually." I it's not a popular show, but the people who like it, it's it's just a cult. It's like the supernatural of half-hour comedies. Yeah, no. Uh, it's not a 100% super popular show, but God damn it, their fans no, are just wait, goddamn wait, wait. rabid. For homework, can you please tell people to look up the fucking turkey scene where she gobbles the delivery. In Shit's Creek? Yeah. Oh no, I haven't seen a single gobble, goddamn gobble. scene. Shit, it's like a very emotional. I didn't know either until I was forced to watch this, and it is a, it's an emotional scene, and it's like gobble, and I'm just like, what the fuck am I watching? No, okay. seriously. Okay. All right. When I when I first heard that, like, oh shit, Eugene Levy, Catherine O'Hara starring in a sitcom. I'll watch that one of these days. And then it, it, that eventually just blew up into this big, massive show with a cult following. One of these days I'm going to watch it. Uh, I love the idea of the new Main Street singers as a cult. Yeah. With, like, their uniforms. It, especially... Uh, former porn actress Jane Lynch. This is the first time I ever saw Jane Lynch in anything. And she's great in it. Speaking of, this is the first time I saw John Michael Higgins in anything. He's the leader of the new Main Street Singers. And he's one of those uh, comedic actors that, like, you see in half of everything. <laughs> you know? And uh, he's amazing in this. And here's the amazing part. Uh, he has a background in in singing. And so originally the new Main Street singers were all supposed to sing on the, in the same note. But John Michael Higgins said, hey, uh, shouldn't there be like arrangements, vocal arrangements? And Christopher Guest said, yeah, but if we did vocal arrangements, we'd have to hire someone and they'd have to come in and it would be a long process and we just can't do that. So John Michael Higgins said, I've got a background in music. I'll, I'll do the vocal arrangements. So all of the vocal arrangements for the new Main Street singers, he did himself. And he gets a special credit in the, in the credits for being the vocal arranger for the new Main Street Singers, and that's really fucking impressive, you know? Yes, it is. And very good on him. The, I love all of the Christopher Guest mockumentaries. It, that being said, I think I've only seen For Your Consideration once. I don't really remember a lot of it. But other than that, you know, I think I saw Mascots more than I saw For Your Consideration. 
I'm not familiar with for your consideration. That was the movie that that was like the last one that they did before Mascots, which was a Netflix oh. original. So for your consideration is all about this small indie film about a Jewish family getting together for Purim. <clears throat> and it's just these act these small-time actors doing the small-time movie, but then suddenly, somehow, inexplicably, this film gets Oscar buzz and it goes to almost everyone's heads. Okay. And suddenly this and suddenly uh Catherine O'Hara is getting plastic surgery. Suddenly Eugene Levy is getting uh is getting like an entourage. Suddenly uh the director is is just it 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 starts ruining Oh no, that's waiting for Guffman. That's the play. For your consideration is all about the Oscar buzz this one movie gets while they're still filming. And now the Oscar buzz ruins the movie. And I think I saw it once, maybe twice, but I, it, that's like, I want to do that one before we do Waiting for Guffman, which I think is one that like everyone will be waiting for, but. <laughs> yeah, no, we're going to be waiting for Waiting for Guffman. And I think that that, that makes sense like, stylistically. Yeah. That we'll be waiting for Waiting for Guffman. Uh, so that's all I've got for A Mighty Wind. I love this movie. I love... It, it, it's so sad that Fred Willard's dead. It, it, sometime, too, during the summer of, of Fred Willard, I'm going to start watching Space Force on Netflix. I haven't started watching it yet, but but Fred Willard's in it. I think it's the last thing he did because Fred Willard was on a TV show a black and white TV show called Space Force, where he was the captain of the Space Force. So when they made this new modern Netflix show, Space Force, they said, well, we have to have Fred Willard in it. Because technically Fred Willard was the original Space Force. So I've been avoiding seeing this new Netflix show just because I feel like it's going to give me feels. Yeah. Because Fred Willard has just been in everything all of my life. I remember as a little kid just watching Fernwood Tonight thinking this is the weirdest, coolest fucking show in the world. And just, I grew up with Fred Willard in my life. And it's, it, it is, I was legitimately sad when I heard of Fred Willard's passing. I'm like, damn it, no, I got a real wet wagon. <laughs> I'm so sad that Fred Willard is dead that I can't do my work. so really really broken up about this but i'm excited about our summer of fred willard this is yes this is this is this is steps ahead of our summer of star wars oh my my god yes yeah steps ahead so that's all i've got for a mighty wind next week i feel like we've been doing uh more recent fred willard films uh and Fred Willard has had a, a very lengthy career. So we did Harold and Kumar go to White Castle. That's 2004. And then our second Fred Willard movie was 2003's A Mighty Wind. And so he's Fred Willard has had a very long career, and we need to go old school. So next week, we are doing the 80s comedy 
which I'm very excited to see again because I don't think I've seen it this century. Next week, we will be doing the 80s comedy Moving Violations. Okay. Which Hollywood thought was going to be the breakthrough movie for Bill Murray's younger brother. Oh. And he is great in this. He looks like Bill Murray. He sounds like Bill Murray. He really is a Shetland Bill Murray. (laughs) And he's really fucking funny in this as a Bill Murray-esque character. You know, like this movie fits in well with like meatballs or stripes and uh, Bill Murray type outcasts who are trying to get a gang of a, a ragtag band of misfits together to fight whatever the power is in this weird comedy. And it just it's really good. But people didn't like it because like, oh, Bill Murray's brother. OK. Next. And I haven't seen it in forever, and I'm really excited to, to to watch this movie. I was so excited when I was a kid, when I was when I was in high school to to take jury duty. Uh, no, no jury duty. No, to 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 do um, driver's ed. Yeah, in high uh-huh. school, and I was so excited because it's like, oh, if there's one thing that movies like Moving Violations has taught me is that when I do driver's ed, we'll be watching the gnarliest shit. (laughs) Blood flows red on the highway. And like, we actually watched that movie and I'm like, holy shit, it's real. It's not just something that the horror movie fan was excited to see in driver's ed class. This is a real thing. So, so did I'm we really cover that one? I, break this movie down. I know we covered at least one Driver's Ed movie. Yeah, like we covered like the first Driver's Ed movie, like Signal 80 or some shit. Something like, like that. that, yeah. Yeah. And that was the that was like the, the first ever gory Driver's Ed film. But yeah, red asphalt <laughs> and shit like that. That was so I, I yeah, I remember some things from this movie. I remember that uh what Stacy Keach or some shit like pulls him over and he's like the angry cop and Bill Murray's brother gives him his driver's license and it has Indiana Jones in the picture. <laughs> and so the police officer looks at the picture of Indiana Jones on his fake driver's license and looks at Bill Murray's brother and he's trying to do this like dashing handsome face and and I just remember thinking that's so cool. So, excited for next week. Moving violations. We will also be talking about the YouTuber who faked his girlfriend's death for subscribers. Also, we're going to be having a, uh, a contest next week, which I'm very excited about, but I'm not telling you about it, Bonnie, because I want it to be a surprise. So that's next week, and it's going to be a big episode. But now that I'm looking back at this episode, uh, the highs, the lows, the ups, the downs, I got to say, I think this has been a pretty good episode. This has been a damn good episode. Okay, I I felt the same way about it, but I feel that you were the one who gives the damn rating, and I didn't want to step <laughs> on your toes. But, but yes, I concur with your assessment, good sir. So until next week, I am Bunny Williams. 
And I am Reverend Steve, and I was able to hear you through 99% of this podcast, and that that is a very good thing. Awesome. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I, I, it, this episode technically was steps ahead as Pierce Hawkins. But yes, on behalf of Eleanor and Maxwell and Bella and Natasha and everybody else, I just want to say thanks for listening. And we'll see you next week, you godless heathens. And you didn't talk to the teachers. And that food. And that food. Thanks. Do 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 do